want to, do you, do you want to take one last hit of your vape? Let's vape this. <sighs> Tug down some of that cotton. <laughs> no, you don't. Ideally, you want the cotton expelled. Well, you tug it down into your lungs, and then you expel. <laughs> it sounds like it's dragged great. down by a bunch of burly sailors. <laughs> I ho, heave the vape and go. I ho. <laughs> Gosh, he's a cloudy one today, boys. <laughs> oh, a hearty band of stevedores. Oh, great. Okay, cool. Cool. Okay, so let's get started. Oh, hello. Come in. Sit down. Pull up a chair. Pull up a chair and then sit down. And welcome to episode three of Hearty Dice Friends. My name is Grant Howitt. And I'm Chris Taylor. And we're here to answer your RPG questions. Whether you want us to or not. So this week we've had another deluge of questions come through, which is always wonderful. Thank you to everyone who sent them in. And um, we'd also like to say fuck you to the front page of Reddit RPG, because there's been almost no decent questions this week. You're not even trying. And when I say this week, I mean in the ten minutes before we started recording. It's not like we go through and write them down. Research. We should do that. We should, actually. That is logical. So we'll take what we can get. But um, I'm sure... It's always been our way. <laughs> I'm sure that you'll enjoy our, uh, our fun time banters. Bants. No. Oh, I, pr- I promised I... them bants last episode. Did you actually? Because that was I'm a promise we can't keep. Yeah, okay. Um, we can have enlightening and illuminated conversation. Because, you know, yes. all the light's on. Um, Rhetoric and wit. There you go. But bants. Yeah, yeah no no bants. This is the bants-free zone. This is totally bants-free. Yeah. Blates. What? It's short for blatantly. Oh, okay. I thought it was a blated later. <laughs> a blative later. A, a, a belated later. Ah, uh, okay, rather than later, later is good. Yeah, it just explodes on contact. So, I have a question for you, Chris. Ask, and you shall receive some sort of answer. My hearty dice friend, what is the first question? That is a clever question. The, the, the first question comes from an individual known only as Snuggle Pilot. What a great name. Exactly. I mean, who, who else? Who else to Captain Fun but Snuggle Pilot? Um... <laughs> Who seems to be one of your fanboys. Yep. Yeah, I believe he is my um, biggest fanboy. The, the actual question that this person took the time to write out into our form is, why is Goblin Quest so good? But, like, take a step back for a second and really think, why does the title seem to invoke such joy, and where does the magic lie? That's a very interesting question, and thank you very much, Snuggle Pilot, for um, for writing in. I I, I feel all... I feel before you go into this, at no point did Grant solicit this question. This person genuinely filled in the form. I'm glad that you think that. Yeah. <clears throat> Maybe you should answer this one, Chris, because it's hard for me to step back from a work of my own genius. Yeah, um, I'd love to, but Have I haven't. Read... Pl- I haven't played Goblin Quest. <laughs> Mate, I've barely played it. Have you? Um, <laughs> have you actually read it? I have. I have read Goblin Quest. You read the whole thing. Did you read all the all the um, splat books at the back as well? Yes, I preferred those. Oh, yeah. What was What was your favourite one? I like I like the Pride and Prejudice one. Okay, the one which doesn't use the Goblin Quest rules. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you got me on board. I write rules. You write settings. <laughs> I feel 
awkward and embarrassed answering this question because it involves me blowing my own trumpet. Toot away. All right, toot. Uh, I think I think it's fun. I think that everyone likes being silly and playing goblins. I think that it's a very low barrier to entry. I think that um, kids can play it and adults can play it and adults can play it with kids. Um, it supports having a GM and not having a GM, so you can run it. Like you, you can have fun describing the world, or you can have fun being a monster or doing both or whatever. I think that the reason why a lot of people enjoy it is because it lets you dick about in a fantasy setting. Uh, with no repercussions, but it also puts people in a fairly creative way. So, like, b- because you have to name what your goblins do and what their, you know, what their ceremonial thing is and what their ancestry is, you end up doing quite a lot of world building. Uh, to be, one of the things I think I think that's that's nice about it and uh, about mm-hmm. games that kind of fill this niche is that when you're playing a long campaign, long form D and D. Mm-hmm. you're really worried about your character dying oh my god yeah. so you make a lot of decisions based on that and about which don't push towards good story no whereas goblin quest is short burn um and a lot of other games do it. i mean paranoia does it as well it's basically the same game as it's paranoia, paranoia. um but you, you can throw yeah obviously mm-hmm. um but you can but you can burn a character and that's not yeah. a problem yeah, we've you got can rules you for can that. go. You know what? Actually, yes, I do jump into the blender. Maybe there's treasure yeah. there. <laughs> Let's I see s- what I find. I assume somebody's just been grinding up their collection of gold rings. <laughs> Why not? This will make them easier to carry home. Exactly. I, and, and I'd like to move on from this because, as, as I said, I am getting embarrassed. But the final yeah. reason that people like Goblin Quest is because they have to talk in high voices during it. It is all about the squeaky goblin voice. Goblins, hello, Goblins. goblin voice, goblin. Um, and you have to have a, yeah because Chris is slightly scratchier yeah a little bit goblins goblins and everyone has their own voice and I like that and it means that right off the bat you are you are doing something mildly embarrassing because a book told you to do and it means you kind of role play better yeah that's fun which is which is again that same sort of thing with paranoia and those other games because you just you just sort of shoved into a scenario of like do something stupid it'd be great hmm. I have a question for you Chris is it, what's the question? Because you've done this trick talking before. <laughs> Shit. Uh, no, um, this is from uh, user I would like to talk, who's oh. written in. And they say, worst system breaking you have witnessed in a playtest of an RPG? But I would like to expand this question out from playtest to just the most heinous rule ex- exploit you've heard of. I mean, I used to spend a lot of time on the old Wizards of the Coast character optimization boards for D&D 3.5. Because this is the thing that we don't really share. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm i a huge fan of destroying game systems mm. uh, just by using the rules, the tools they give me, mm-hmm. and then making the game unfun for everybody else. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's a couple. I mean, the, the, the original classic is Pun Pun the Kobold. Why don't you tell us what Pun Pun can do? Um, so Pun Pun the Kobold <laughs> is an abuse of the shape change spell from old D&D. Mm-hmm. Um, and because he was of a certain type being a kobold, he could change into a certain... I can't, I can't remember what the monster's called. He changed into a certain other ridiculously powerful spell-casting it's, it's, monster it's, of death. It's, like an, it's, it's an elder worm, I think. Yeah, something like that. And essentially by like level three, you could challenge and easily beat any monster ever published in D&D. Yeah just by breaking the systems 
But my absolute favourite thing that really should have been seen in playtest but wasn't was the old Psychics Handbook from 3.5. Oh, you love that, don't you? Oh, what a beautiful book. Mm. Um, essentially, they had a, a series of biofeedback loops. <laughs> so, like, when you got hurt, you added one to something. And you took another power where you could heal back one when one happened. And you just, essentially, you'd, you'd walk into the middle of a fight, stab yourself in the chest, achieve the power of a god and kill everything. <laughs> um, which, so- it, which sounds cool once. Yeah, it is. It is. It's cool once. Mm. But when you think... You, you bring that to a game of D and D, and you're like, yeah. "Yeah, I don't, I don't need the rest of the party, or, or indeed yeah. anything but the last villain." I guess I need this knife. Wow, well, you can hit yourself with a spoon as long as it does one damage. <laughs> you, you could literally just just kick, just really hard kick the wall. Just stub your toe, yeah. Yell for five seconds, and then and suddenly, go super cyan. Yeah, exactly. Suddenly burst ah! into flames. Um, um, my my favorite abuse of uh, of, uh, of uh, things. So I, th- this is also going to come from uh, from from D and D. I think D and D is one of the best system to abuse because it's so comprehensive. Splat books were yeah. a ripe resource for this. This is a this is a build called the Alpornomancer, <laughs> and it's absolutely beautiful. And so it it it, it runs off. Um, there's two main facets, and so one is you build a character who can use perform instead of diplomacy. Um, which is a uh, which which and so like diplomacy is a very oh, it's a very uh, overpowered skill in D and D three point five because you can walk up to any situation if you're good enough you can roll a dice and then the enemies go oh no you're right we won't fight you same with intimidate you, you could do something same like with intimidate that. yeah or like bluff like you can say actually I'm an elder dragon don't hit me or I'll kill you that sort of thing but this this one runs off um, using perform instead of uh, diplomacy. It's much easier to buff your perform to ludicrous levels because of bards as a class. And then you take that you take that that idea and then you apply it to an alphorn which is it's a it's a I believe it's like a I want to say a Swiss musical instrument which is a huge horn which you put you put on the side of a mountain and just sort of like go into. It doesn't strike as having a lot of different notes. It doesn't need to because you're so good at performing, but it's it's one of the loudest you know, musical instruments in in the world. And also because it's played it's played like as part of a mountain, it has incredible <laughs> uh, resonance. And so you, in a single round, you go on this alphorn. Everyone within a five five mile radius is zealously devoted to your cause and will die for you. <laughs> that is the quickest way to raise an army. And I just. I love the way that D and D did that. Yeah, that it's like that they, they, they put they put all these rules together and like oh, actually we can, we can build a system where this is this is happening. This like and this is supported in the rules rather than oh, I've, got, I've got a bit of a wacky idea how to justify my plus six to to raise an army. Yeah, well you could also do, you could also um, solve physics problems with characters in D and D. Oh, well, the um... you could make a rail cannon. That, that that's that's been debunked, unfortunately. Ah, well, you. Well, I think it was in one of the earlier rules before they mm. essentially patched it out. Mm. But yeah, the the old concept of passing an object to somebody is a free action. Yeah. Therefore, you just get a very long line of people and pass it to them. Like like you like you you, you get you think you get like five thousand peasants to pass a chicken to each other. Yeah. At which point it breaks. It just it it's like it's like setting off the large hadron collider. Yeah. And and looking at oh, looking at magic oh, items um, with physics sorry. problems. Wait, one more. D 
just uh, an alternate version of the passing items to each other. There was a um, a splat book for, for D twenty modern, which was like a, like a seventies cop show. Yeah, and uh, it had it had they had this feet tree, if you can believe such a thing, which which was based around sliding over the hoods of cars. Oh, glorious! <laughs> but the, but like the third the third feat you took was you can slide over the hood of a car as a free action. And so at that point, you you like you can you can travel anywhere instantaneously as long as you park a load of cars with their hoods <laughs> touching each other. I'm just imagining like this like this kick-ass looking motherfucker with it with like with, with a big afro and a big revolver on his hip and a long coat just <laughs> along a line of um, Dodge Vipers on his butt. Anyway, what were you saying about magic items? So, magic items opened up a wonderful a, a wonderful vista of looking at looking at them from an alternative angle mm. like the item the immovable rod oh, if you man. press a button on it it just stays where it is and then somebody who was very smart at the time just thought well hang on if it stays where it is at a fixed point in space the earth is spinning incredibly fast <laughs> so it would stay there and then just scythe through buildings and people as the earth rotated very quickly I guess it would come back next year as well, which is the terrifying thing. Yeah, and it would. Well, no, because it would. It, yeah, it's just as the Earth is spinning through space, mm. it is in a fixed point. So the chance of you ever getting that back at nigh zero. Well, I'm, I'm guessing. I'm guessing. Like, so let's let's assume that the the D and D cosmology works like Earth, mm-hmm. right? Because they've, they've got like spell jammer, so it's so it's implied that you can go to space and stuff. You yeah. push that button, it's going to scythe. Through whatever through through whatever it's in front of, yeah, completely immovable. Like anything, just going to break around it, and it's moving at an incredibly fast rate. It's going to smash everything apart. It's then going to stay where it is in space. Yep. And you've really got to hope that, that that your planet's orbit doesn't necessarily have it. Let's say, put it through the middle of the Earth. Yeah, I'm going to use I'm going to use the phrase explosively coinciding. Because mm. again, you can't move the immovable rod. Yeah. And at some point, the 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 the, the planet's orbit is going to you know fudge one way or the other. It's either it's either going to miss the planet completely, or it's going to hit the ground and destroy Tokyo. Yep, and anything else on the other side of Tokyo. That's kind of a fun idea for a plot of D and D in which you play rod hunters. Yeah. Um, like that, they are fixed points in space, and so like you've got maybe about six seconds. With Everybody which, plays with which, the Flash, with which to like get there, like to get there and turn it off before it destroys Tokyo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love I love those items, like the mm. decanter of endless water. Mm. Like, okay, ah, the dungeon I, solver. Yeah, but also like okay, I've just flooded the planet. Welcome to yeah. Waterworld. Just hundreds of items that just that make perfect sense when they're in a narrative position. Yeah. But the second you actually look at them, yeah. Like, nah, this is a problem. Chris, ask me a question. Okay. This comes from Turb. <clears throat> oh, Turb, good friend, good friend Turb. How can I monetize my games using product placement? Great question, Turb. Fabulous question. How can I monetize my games using product placement? Well, you've really got to work out what what sort of products are important to to, to role playing gamers. Doritos, yeah, those are important. Or um, even, I mean, do you like Pepsi or the second best soft drink? I'm not sorry? sponsored by Pepsi. Oh, okay, right. I see. Well, I mean, it it is it is the drink of a new generation. Well, I mean, obviously, it's it's Beloved cool, it's refreshing, it's hip, it's now, and we can't argue against that. It's very zeitgeisty. 
Contractually, we can't argue against that. Not anymore. No. Despite how bad our teeth have got. <laughs> the gallons and gallons of that stuff. Chasing the brown dragon. <laughs> oh, Pepsi, stop. Please stop sending us Pepsi, Pepsi. You know they're going to get angry again and send us more, and we have to drink it all. Yeah, I yearn for a cup of water. <laughs> so sugar. Um, Pepsi, for example, is a, is a good product placement. I think like it's tricky to really get decent product placement without it knackering your 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 well established fantasy setting. So perhaps we could go for something a little bit smaller, like like a local butcher. Yep, that's a example. solid way to start. Build up, maybe maybe like local libraries can get in on it. Advertise their open days, and they've got That's the re- kids in for the for story also, reading. So, 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 like, look at this way. Examples, examples of play are really good opportunities for this sort of thing. So, you've got, like, for example, um, Heraldra the wizard is attempting to convince the guard to let him inside the the, the, the queen's palace. Heraldra's character, Heraldra's player, speaks. Have you heard of the great family activities they have at Walthamstow Family Library? Why, there's things for all the family to do. There's games for the children, and even a cappuccino bar for mum. And the, and and then and then and then Heldra rolls, and then the guard is obviously so impressed that he goes off to Walthamstow Public Library uh, to experience open, their excellent and complete Wi-Fi coverage. Yeah, open ten a.m. to six p.m. Um, ten to four on Sundays. Yeah. yeah, so you could do that. I mean, I think Walthamstow Public Library is probably run by some sort of government organisation. Yeah, but you know, government can get on this. Which they're getting, is why, they're getting their fingers in every other pie. So. Which is why I think. Which is why I think. Well, I mean, we're going to need as much money as we can get. I was why I think that we should get. Um, why like local butchers might be good. So let's say, for example, rather than having hard tack one gold piece, so like hard tack one copper piece, fancy food one gold piece, you have um, Rexel Brothers. Delicious sausages, one gold piece. And you don't have to mention them anywhere else. Maybe like the page after, you have a picture of those sausages. Yeah. And I mean, even like if, if you've got a local blacksmith's, mm-hmm. I mean, nobody's really going to notice if you just rename that B&Q. That's, that's, a zero, that's a zero effort crossover. Yeah, it's great. I mean, you just go... And going back to the plane hopping, you go straight from mm. Fantasy World to Disney World. Mm. That's good, yeah. They just have get, a fun time on the rides. Get some Kingdom Hearts action in there. Yep. Oh, you mean literally go to Disney World? Literally Disney World. Oh, right. Okay. So they have like... affordable flights within your price range leaving today. Oh, that's great. I'll, I'll talk to my travel agent. I think you should. I think also you've got, like... I think we're, we're perhaps being a little bit simplistic about this as well. What if you wrote a game which revolved around buying packs of Walker's Crisps? That what if you work. wrote a well, I, I, mm, actually, here's an idea. What if you wrote a game where you could use love hearts as a resolution method? Ah, yeah, and hit and hit points of palm of violets. Yeah, why not? That sounds good. So you, you, you've got you've got those palm of violets as hit points, and no one wants to eat those because they're disgusting. So exactly. it's like it, it recreates the you know the the visceral terror of being shot, the pain of a bullet wound. And whereas whereas when you um. You you say you say you're going to do an action, and then you draw a love heart, and you interpret what the love heart says as to whether or not you've succeeded. And then you must consume the love heart, which is also terrible. Yes, but they're really unpleasant. But I do like the things that are written on them. Yes, but it will churn you through enough love hearts that they end up having to buy more packets. Mm. I don't know why I stopped liking sweets. 
I think it might have been like when I was in my teens, but I used to like. I mean, do you remember how? I mean, you still like sweets, don't you? I, I eat sweets occasionally, I, but I like eat a lot like, of chocolate, like lollipops, and like like candy. You know, like candies. Yeah, I, I can't. I cannot imagine no. buying a lollipop. I think it's because everyone looks like a prick when you've got a lollipop in your mouth. Yeah, just smoke. <laughs> like, come on, people! Grow up and smoke a cigarette, kids. God damn! I think it's possible uh, for like you can be coy with a lollipop and suck on it. You can, yeah, you can have a go. It's, and like, and they're not especially phallic either. That's not what Willie's looked like. It's not like it's not like having a banana. One problem though: no one, and I mean no one, can drink a juice box and look respectable. No. It's just not physically possible. Everyone looks like a bell end. Like I want you to imagine James Bond punching a straw into a little cure and sucking it down. Yeah. Oh, right in the cliffo. Just getting the bottom. <laughs> Umbongo, not cure, sorry. If you are drinking a juice box and you understand the plight of your of your image yeah. at that point. Mm-hmm. As an adult drinking a juice box, you're generally yeah. doing a lot of things as well. Because you, you're, you're drinking a juice box because you're on the go. Ah, uh, you're busy, it, yeah. You're a busy person, so there's always that moment when you're doing something and you forget about the juice box and you just give it a little squeeze. <sighs> just a little squeeze, and suddenly you're covered in umbongo. Get, you get you get a little bit of Ribena pre-cum at the yeah, and it just, it goes everywhere. <laughs> yeah. And oh, okay, well, often, I'm, I'm imagining just like a little squirt rather oh, than it's, it's everywhere. You can, you, can get, you can get a little bit, you can get a lot, but you rarely notice it immediately. Mm. Oh, what's oh, oh, oh Ibina. That's that, that's the only thing I've, I'll drink out of cartons these days. Yeah, but it, it's so sticky. Mm. It's almost like liquid shouldn't be packaged in fucking cardboard. Yeah, yeah. carrier bags like the Australians. <laughs> Goon. That's it. The, the uh, a fun fact: every 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 Australian uh, teenager and some adults drink Goon, which is bagged wine. Which is boxed wine, but you take it out of the box to make it cheaper. And you just no. <laughs> well, it looks cheaper. It's easier to carry. Yeah. And at that point, you ha- you, ha- you hold it under your arm like a bagpipe, and it's like it's a silver bag with a tap on it, and you drink it in parks. Classy. What was it? Uh, there's, there's also the you, the the, um, the 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 wheel of fortune, where you get one of those um, hexagonal ro- rotary washing lines. <laughs> okay. And. You peg goon up to uh, t- to each one, and you la- and you get six people to lay down under it, and then spin it, and they get what and they get what they're given. <laughs> That's classy. I like that. This, this is from a country which desperately needs some culture. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Should we go to the theatre, darling? No, let's lay down under the washing line and drink bagged wine. You, you can also make it kind of a, an exhilarating experience by rather than using mm. the tap, just cut a corner off. Oh man, yeah. So now you've got to drink it, otherwise it's going everywhere. Like a like doing a um, not not a, it's not a keg stand. What they call it? A beer bong. Yes, like that. Yes, but in a park. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's my turn to ask a question. Did you well, want no, to? Hang on, hang on. You, oh, we have, we have a follow up to the product placement. Mm-hmm. Turb has written more. Mm-hmm. Turb has filled in our optional box and our optional box asks what's the thing you mis- most dislike about RPGs we want to help you avoid that and he's filled this box with rows and rows and rows and rows of teeth hmm I wonder that is a that is a bad thing for RPGs to have yeah I can see um, why 
Turb doesn't like it. If if you open a book and it's got rows mm. and rows and rows of teeth in it, that, I mean, first off, cool. you've opened the wrong book. Honestly, though, that's pretty cool. Yep. I but think I'd like that to happen to one of us once. You, I would, like I would to you once. Yeah, well, it one day it will. Yeah. Um, I would contact the manufacturers if that happens. <laughs> um, I would. I would get an RMA number. Hello, is that the Mad Arab? Yes. <laughs> Send it back and uh, try and get one without teeth in it because that is a defect at the printers. Yeah, you want you want somebody like, fell into the press between zero and no between zero and two teeth <laughs> between zero between and zero no and teeth. no teeth in your book. Ideally, you want no teeth in your book. Yeah, unless, unless you've put them there for safekeeping. I've like, got a question. Like, like a flower. Let me Go ask you then. a question. Ask it. I dare you. Why would you keep teeth in a book? How like or you, why? You're pressing them. Both. How, okay. So, Either. So Either. the why is for the memories. Mm-hmm. Like pressing a flower. Um, <laughs> they don't press. And the, the how is they, mm-hmm. sell, they sell presses for that. Tooth presses. Well, they, they call them flower presses. Um, uh, okay, right. But I use them on teeth. Now, it might get a bit cracky and dusty. <laughs> a little, but you'll have the memories preserved forever in your copy of uh, your Jane Austen novel. That's nice. Just like you'll, you'll be brushing out tooth chips. Yeah. Anyway, the, the question I've got is, am I crazy thinking kookery is the best swashbuckler weapon? This was sent in by Giant Red Lizard. A Giant Red Lizard or the Giant Red Lizard? It doesn't have anything before the word giant. It's just giant red lizard. Oh, okay. Um, no, you're not crazy. Mm. You, you just have no vision. Yeah. The correct the correct answer to that is, of course, halberd. Halberd is the best swashbuckling weapon. I'd like to... I'm going to put forward my own argument. Please um, do. I think the best swashbuckling weapon is chandelier. Yes, but you can't carry that around with you. Well, there's always one everywhere. That is true. But the reason I say halberd mm-hmm. is because you can do much more rad tricks with it. That's true. Like, the iconic is, of course, the rapier. I'm thinking one of those wobbly halberds, like um, like a like, like, like a Chinese uh, long spear. Oh, like, like, like sort of House of Flying Daggers style. Yeah, yeah, a hero. That's yeah, of one of those. Yeah. That's mm. what you want. Cause you, you, got, you can pole vault to get to the chandelier. Okay. That's good. I think I think it lacks it lacks class. The spear is not a rich man's weapon, and swashbucklers are supposed to have a lot of money knocking around. Well, I mean, you just drape enough nice gold things. off of it, looks like Mister T. <laughs> After he's you know missed a couple of meals, obviously. I pity the fool who gets within my threatening reach. <laughs> uh, Those poor people. Pistols, pistols are good. Pistols are always good. You find you can them use the them to shoot down yeah, I mean that's that's where ninjas hide. You want to you want to immediately fire your pistols into the rafters upon entering any room. Always. Pianos. Yeah, I think what you're looking at there, Grant, isn't so much weapons as environment. Well, I'm using them as weapons. Yes, but I... are you telling me you've never had a piano closed on your fingers? No, that's true. That does hurt. Mm. Smarts, doesn't it? Yeah, doesn't didn't kill me though. Did it make you stronger? No. Well, there we go. You made me <laughs> really hate piano lessons. <laughs> it was cool. And my piano teacher, and my piano teacher, who shut the shut the piano on me. Yes, you learn, boy, or you'll never play again. It's just, I think it was more just you're really, really bad at this. We should stop. 
I'm not. Mm. I'm not. I'm not bad at art. I'm not bad at drawing. I'm okay at it. But I was once um, when when I was doing art at secondary school, I got taken off colours. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't allowed to use colours. I was one, so bad at them. One one step below that would be getting you those pictures where the the picture is drawn but in felt, <laughs> so that you can't go over the lines. Circular just, paper, safety scissors. Just, just like, do you think you should be doing color grant? I don't think I'm very good at that. No, how about you just stick to black and white for the rest of your artistic career? Let's get you a pencil. Uh, I mean, I was quite good at the pencil stuff. Yeah, I can, I can never grasp seeing <laughs> such in color. accolades. Oh. Are you colorblind? I'm, I'm a little bit colorblind. I'm very slightly colorblind. I'm uh, also um, you have trouble stereo- with moves. Also, stereo blind. I think is that the phrase. Sure, I don't I can't see is. stereos. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't a full hi-fi. I can't see it. Um, no, I, I can't see in three dimensions. Oh, I see. Is that is that not taxing? Being that we live very much within three dimensions. Yes, Chris. Very much so. Is that it's, is that why you keep bumping into things? Well, kind of. Yeah. I mean, like that's the thing. I've I've gotten used to working out how big things should be. <laughs> And that's the thing. So, like, I can't detect depth. You laugh, but everything just comes out as a flat picture to me. So I can't really detect depth. I just know how big things are. And then I do the mental arithmetic to work out when it's catch time. If someone's throwing a ball at me. I've just got Which this why... image of you just, just, just living in the world of pugwash, with, but with a ruler. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why those big tennis balls you get. Like those oversized tennis balls. Nightmare. I keep trying to catch them. <laughs> yeah. And of course, for somebody who previously created Zombie LARP, where you run around in the dark and have darts fired at you, depth has always always been in your life. Mm, yeah, it's a problem. I only really see out of one eye. The other eye is more of a backup. So I can't, I can't are determine. You, are you a lefty or a righty? I can never remember. I'm a lefty. You're a lef- long, le- left-eyed right Long and short-sighted. Yeah, left-eyed, right-handed, which means my, my shooting is so perfectly accurate. <laughs> just just bang on. I treat all guns as melee weapons. <laughs> They're clubs so, until I so, argue different. Yeah, it's a club, and it has a bonus thing that comes at the end of it. Um, so yes, I think pistols are good. It's pistols, swashbuckles. Not swashbuckles, that's not actually a weapon. Pistols, a belt. Rapiers, belt. Mm. A really big belt with a gaudy um, buckle. Then that's you can... more of a... That's more of a dad weapon. Yeah, that's more or of a domestic pimp abuse. weapon. Yeah, that's more something which like that's that's an abuser's tool rather than a swashbuckler. Yeah. Can you imagine the swashbuckler who rocks up with a belt, <laughs> nothing else, just a belt? All right, I'm here to um, here to seduce your women and swing for some chandeliers. I, I wouldn't let him in my bar. But I mean, you, you say that like pirates aren't nice people. I'm not saying pirates. I'm saying swashbucklers. The swashbuckler, traditionally a pirate. Right. Fair enough. Fair enough. I think, like, you know, not not all pirates are swashbucklers, but all swashbucklers are pirates. <laughs> Hashtag That's for... not all pirates. I'm not... I, just... <laughs> <laughs> I think that... Um, I think that... Pirates aren't nice people, but swashbuckling is perhaps a form of soft piracy involving charm. <laughs> it it involves charm, daring do, a lot of daring do. I'm trying to and... think of a good uh, of a nice <clears throat> swashbuckler. Robin Hood. Was he really a swashbuckler? He buckles swash. You see him in a sword fight. 
I always thought he was an archer. Might be he can sword fight very effectively as well. And he was a thief. But he that's the thing, like I'm not saying a swashbuckler is a job description. Like you don't sign up to become a swashbuckler. That's more like it's a bit like being uh I cannot think of a, of, a, of an equivalent. But it's more a description of your style rather than what you do. Yeah, I'm trying to think of some good swashbucklers. Uh, all right. Well, what what else have we got? Um, um, the um Johnny Depp from the Pirates of the Caribbean films, Captain Jack Sparrow. Jack Sparrow was a monster. Was that a monster? He was a proper pirate. The reason why he turned to piracy was because because he stole a slave ship and liberated the slaves, and then turned to piracy. He couldn't get a decent job. Like he does, he he's not a bad. He only fights bad people, who have gold. He's murdering people out in the open seas mm, to get mm, gold. Mm, okay, okay. He's not a nice I, man. I'm just saying, I don't think swashbuckling... This is a brilliant discussion, by the way. This is great podcasting. I don't think swashbuckling implies nastiness. I okay. think it implies a flashy fighting style. I think you're, I think you're right, but I still think that 99% of swashbucklers are evil. All right, yeah, okay, cool. So the perfect, the perfect swashbuckling weapon is, to answer your question, Giant Red Lizard, a belt and half a brick in a sock. <laughs> That's the one. Maybe a pint glass that you've smashed open seconds before. That'll do it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was a brutal discussion. (laughs) Ask me a question, Chris. Okay, this one one does hark back to an earlier question of today, but it it involves an ethical dilemma. Okay. This is from Maths Nerd, Mm -hmm. which is one of the finest types of nerd to be. Yeah. I like well, abusing. Si- type I like abusing character. systems. Whenever I play a game, I like min-maxing, trying to find optional, optimal strategies, and generally trying to break the game. I enjoy and contribute to the story and plot elements too. But some part of my head is always being the rules hacker. <laughs> Are there games where this can be avoided? Am I just a horrible person? Um. I mean, I don't think Chris thinks you're a horrible person. I don't think you're a horrible person. No, I think no. you're right and just in your crusade against rules. I think that I I take a different stance on rules, and I think that that a, a good player of games in the role playing session, in the role playing s- setting, can understand the intentions behind the writer's um, words and not abuse them in the way like you, like you can smell powers which are supposed to be combined, and you can smell powers which aren't supposed to be combined, but they're too powerful. Yeah, um, it's a bit like um. Watching someone who's never played a uh, a Rockstar game before trying to play Grand Theft Auto Four, because it assumes you know so much, it assumes that you'll just go and do the thing. Yeah. And like and like, oh, he's getting away. Get into the car, and you're like, well, I want a better car. It's like, no, you have to get in the car that they give you. I know it doesn't say if you don't get in that shitty car they park next to you and what amount to a tutorial mission, you're you, going you, to you fail. fail the mission. In fact, they've, they've deliberately taken every other car off the road so you don't crash into it. But they didn't tell you that. You just have to intuit what they want. And I think that comes from... Like, it works into, into role-playing games as well. Like You can intuit what the, what the designer was going for. Yeah, um, I mean, it's, it's the concept of playing the spirit of the rules, not the letter. I will say that it really... Uh, to, to borrow a beautiful Australian phrase, it shits me to tears when one person min-maxes in the group and no one else does. It doesn't matter if you're all yep. min-maxing, that's great. And like, especially if you can get that one person to help build characters for the others, that's fine. But the problem is, and I've, I've seen this happen in a lot of games, especially like with Pathfinder, uh, where it's fairly easy to make a brutal character. Even and by that, accident, sometimes. Even by accident. Um, 
I think I, we were playing in a game, and I was I was playing a oh, I forget what I was playing rogue or something, and I was I was kicking out about like two d six damage around or something, you know, on average. And the barbarian rocked up, and I think he did something like thirty six damage at level one. Yeah, he just he just like just pissed damage and shat victory, and there was no point playing the game at that point because like I mean we can still talk and have fun, but it's so massively uninspiring to be like well this guy's going to do the thing and I'm here yeah. as well and it kind of it, it doesn't matter so much if, if you're if you if you put it put yourself into a support class role it's like well cool I'm going to support him and everyone else and so you know people are always going to want healing people are always people are always going to want buffs no one's going to turn down a plus one for a role at any any level but um if you're if if you're breaking if you're breaking the game but if you're doing incredible amounts of damage and not everyone else's it just means that the, the when when combat happens it's 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 the you show yeah also featuring others well sort of barely yeah, they're, they're, supporting I mean, they, cast at this point they can stand in the way yeah they're a blade of yeah. armor yeah but there there's also kind of uh an unspoken agreement for everybody to be on the same page when the game starts like if as as you said if if they're all min maxing Mm. that's fine that's great that's what the game's about yeah i I think like like, to be quite boring a lot of rpg problems a lot of a lot of of things where people aren't having fun or it isn't quite working they feel like they're not enjoying themselves that comes down to miscommunication and all being on the same page and because it's it is effectively an improvised jam session that goes on once a week for a year, and if you're all working off slightly different rules, then there's going to be friction. It doesn't work for sure. Yeah. So you're not a horrible person. No. You just need to have a little think about it. Yeah. And whether it's um, appropriate. Because it is fun to break systems. It is fun to like to to maximise your effectiveness in a system, and that's you know that's that's why a lot of role playing has come out of that. And I think that if you can use that and help other people do that as well. Or like say to the GM, maybe not in combat, but I want you to give me like like mind blowingly hard stealth challenges. Because I'm very good at stealth. Yeah. If you can make it something which only you do, which doesn't negate other parts of the party, that doesn't matter so much. Yeah, so are there games where this can be avoided? Well, it's very hard to min max our games because we don't write a lot of rules. True. It is um, technically possible in Unbound. It is technically possible in Unbound, and in a way like Chris wrote it wanting people to min-max it because he gets off on that. Yeah, uh, what I tried to do was rather than pure min-maxing I tried to introduce mm. combos. Yeah. Um, so that one of the things about Armbound that keeps its power level within its remit is that mm. you only have access to a certain amount of powers at any one time. Yeah, you only get three. Yeah. So if you want to min-max properly, you need at least two or three people in the party to do it. Mm. And and that, and that's pushing us. Actually, that's, that's a really nice design idea, Chris. I'm, I'm mm. glad you did that because I, yeah. I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> yeah, you need multiple people. You need one person to essentially de- apply a debuff, mm. and then for you to use your two powers, and then the third person to finish it off. Mm. And, that's, so, and that's a really satisfying thing to pull off. It, it's really satisfying, but also it means that if if those three people aren't on the same min max page, then nobody's min maxed. Mm. Whereas if they are. Then they all chose to min max. Therefore, they're still on the same page and they're all playing the same game. Yeah, I think um, whether I pulled it off 100 percent is one thing, though. <laughs> well, you know, the, 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 we'll we'll write another we'll write another complex combat system at some point. I, re- I reckon yeah. we could do a good mech game. We'll, we'll see if we can do that. Yeah. 
Um, I think any game where, like, the more abstract you get in games, the less easy it is to min-max in my experience. Yeah. Because um, the the reason the 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 way that min-maxing helps is like it's it's finding edge cases. Yes. And like and oh, I can add this and this, and it's like uh, you get a plus two. If that if that's if that's the only rule, you can't really abuse that. And I think that's the um like like I mean like Wii is impossible to min max. Yep, it's, um, it's it's fairly easy to be bad at. <laughs> yeah, just but, by but just can... by not being descriptive. Yeah, um, Fiasco doesn't really have any rules. Yep. Um I guess I I, I imagine but I imagine they're writing and asking for, like for a game with some grist to it though as well. Yeah. Um, and I really don't know uh, what you'd do that isn't min maxable because. Once you once you get a game that has enough tactical choice in it to be interesting, that has enough um, choices in your character generation, there's going to be ways to min max it, and there's going to be you know um, simply by doing combinations which the designers hadn't thought of. Yeah, and I mean you can play test a game for a thousand hours mm-hmm. and still have stuff you didn't ever notice because your characters, did, your players, just didn't think of taking that yeah. combination. Yeah. Or like, or they didn't use it against this particular enemy, or in this particular scenario, it didn't have this. And there's so many variables that come. It's not like a board game. No, exactly. It's not the same, same every time. And also, I mean, like, if you min-max yourself for combat and you're suddenly in a social setting, mm. you're useless. And I think as well, min-max yourself for combat, and then try and put your character in as many social situations as possible. Yeah, I think, I think, I think that's that's the way which which, which you can carry on doing this and then have fun. And then, like, not be not be a, a disruptive player is that you make your character very dangerous, but you put them in situations where they're not skilled. You push you, you push forward and find reasons to do that, um, and that means and that that's you generating interesting things because, like, watching a barbarian go and eviscerate a load of guards, well, it's fine, cool, whatever. That's what that's what they're supposed to do. Watching a barbarian try and talk his way through a tea party is a much more interesting thing because he's like you know he's crushing the the, the, the bone china cups. And like and like he's he's pushing fistfuls of, of cucumber sandwiches into his mouth, and that that's that's an interesting thing. And there's a twist there rather than he's doing precisely what he's supposed to do. Yeah, always always playing outside of your comfort zones is more interesting. Mm. I literally don't even have a comfort zone. Creepy. I'm always uncomfortable. <laughs> always at a slight angle. <laughs> do we have any more questions for today? Um, I think we can. I, th- I think I'm, I'm going to ask you one more question from Reddit. Okay. Uh, I think then we will we will stop. What campaign would you like to run slash play but haven't yet? Ah, uh, too I've many. Got my, I've got my answer for this one. Oh, oh, good. You 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 already know. Yeah. I think I'd quite like to run. Um, no, I'll rephrase that. I'd quite like to play mm-hmm. in a in a Trail of Cthulhu game. Oh yeah, or a Call of Cthulhu game, mm. because that is the horror is my eternal GM status, mm. and you never actually really played in. And I, I never get the chance to play in it because I end up running it all the time, which I don't have a massive problem with. I love running it. Yeah, but I'd I'd really like to solve the mysteries myself once mm. or twice. Well, you, you were in Mace Terrorists game for a while, weren't you? Yeah, I was in your Mace Terrorists game. Yeah, you became pirates. Uh, how many years ago was that, Grum? <laughs> Oh god, I don't want to think. Um, that would be ten years ago. That Chris. would be a decade ago, Grant. Jesus yes, it Christ. would be. Jesus Christ! Wow, a decade ago. Oh my god, we're old. Yep. Yeah, oh. but 
That's my point. Like the last time Oof. you remember me playing in a horror game, that's it. That is was sobering. A, was a decade ago <laughs> when we were in university together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Fair play. The game I want to run is um, horror game. So, horror game. Horror game. Horror game. I want to run a horror game and not ask Chris. God damn it! Which is the true horror. <laughs> I'd really like to do like I'd, I'd, I mean I'd love to do like a horror ARG that I don't tell people they're playing, yeah, um, and just send mysterious emails uh, to do that. And I came close to doing it a while ago, but never really followed through because I got freaked out and got too many players. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I, so I, I'd, I'd love to run kind of a, like a, like a low key ARG where people go things and like like do rituals and mess up the real world in some interesting ways and you know not quite commit crimes but nearly. <laughs> just borderline yeah like it, commit inadvisable acts yeah. but the um which Set would be a, a great name via stuff that like would be that. A gr- that is a crime oh i think i, I think to com- go. i think commit inadvisable acts would be a great name for the like the operative handbook yes you send out um inadvisable I, acts against common decency i'm just going to write that down that's really good. commit inadvisable acts against common decency um the uh, the other thing I'd like to run so in in the Warhammer Forty Thousand universe there is a school called the Scholar Progenium, and the Scholar Progenium is where they take um, orphaned children uh, from people who die in the many wars of the Warhammer Forty Thousand universe, and because in the Warhammer Forty Thousand universe there is only war, that's a lot of kids. That is that is an astonishing number of kids. Yeah, so they take those kids and they put them through intense, brutal training. And then those kids become stormtroopers, who are like the big roughy tufty plate uh, plate mail hotshot lasgun and um, paratroopers, who would not describe themselves as roughy tufty. Mm, well, it depends on the it, it depends on the um, on the edition. Like oh, really, they, well, like they went from being special forces operatives with with red berets on to guys in fully enclosed environment suits with 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 carapace armor. Okay. Um, Odd but, choices. Like, they're, they're, they're paratroopers, basically, with, right. with, with, with carapace. Um, they t- become commissars who kill people when they run away from from fights. An important role to have. Or they become sisters of battle, who are um, power armored nuns. The finest army in Warhammer Forty Thousand. Chris played sisters of battle. They're also the most expensive army in Warhammer mm. Forty Thousand. I it make is, good choices. It's been it, they, they've, been, they've been released for I think twenty years now. We've not seen a plastic model until until earlier this year. Um, but you, so, so the school of Progenium puts out these three um, members. Uh, these three they, they they fill these other organizations with um, effectively the Imperium are their parents, so they're zealously devoted. And I thought it'd be really fun to run a sort of St. Trinian's style game in in the school of Progenium, and you play you play like. Different, fa- so like I, I, I like the idea that maybe you all play Sisters of Battle, but you're all very jolly hockey sticks. Yeah, um, and you're all getting trained up, and then like you, you've got the commissars who are like the prefects, and you've got the stormtroopers who are the jocks, um, or like 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 the like those like like poshos, but poshos with chins. Yeah, you know? yeah, I, Quentin. I, I think that this this also opens up like a lot more genres. To this, so like five go mad on Kadia. You see, oh, I hadn't thought of that. It's wonderful. Five go mad in the eye of terror. Yeah. <laughs> um, five go mad on Spook. Uh, also, the other option you've got is, is like Nancy you, like, Drew you, you... in the Ulthway Craft World. <laughs> you could. 
you couldn't you could introduce other parts of the Imperium and say that they're raised in the school of Progenium. So like you can have the like uh, conscripted conscripted psychers mm. are the weirdo goth kids. Yep. Who are hanging out and like oh you don't want to hang out with the psychers they're weird. And One of them I, turned I, into I, a demon last week. <laughs> he won't shut up about it. Um. And you know, I think maybe you could have like a space marine exchange student <laughs> <laughs> comes in eight foot tall, power armor, but, but he's got like the thirteen year old mustache. Yep, and a little, a, little, a little tiny book bag. Yeah, um, and so I think like I really like the idea of, of, of having like um, jolly fun times, scrapes in the Warhammer forty thousand universe. Yeah, lashings of ginger beer. Yeah, well, l- l- lashings of, of recaf. Grok's like hot Grok's meat sandwiches, mm-hmm. buttered soy craft. Um, I'm, I'm also something. Something struck me recently. Are Space Marines trans? I don't know because it's not. No, definitely not. And it's the thing, like, because they effectively like they're hypermasculinized in that, like, they all have men's faces. Um, and like having seen having seen pictures of the amount of armor, they have you know a masculine body form, but they can't reproduce normally. Like they have their normal urges completely suppressed through genetic manipulation, hormone therapy, and um, surgical implants, and they become like their gender becomes space marine. So I just it just it struck me because like they actually they they have what amounts to gender reassignment surgery to turn them into sexless god warriors. Because that's what fits the armor. <laughs> I like the idea they have to fit the armor rather than the other way around. Yeah. Well, I mean, most um, of the armor is ancient, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. It's like it's, it's tens of thousands of years old. Yeah. So if 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 you got if you got an armor but nobody to go in it, you need to build somebody who fits the armor. Well, you could just get a, you just get a normal imperial guard and a load of foam, <laughs> or just like pack it out with play doh. As many grots as it takes. <laughs> just fill it with orcs. <laughs> It's just it's, it's 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 something which struck me. I I think that obviously they're very masculine, and I don't think space marines would consider themselves transgender. But I think there's something there's something to be something to be examined there in that the most masculine part of the of a, of a very masculine and a hyper masculinized um, storytelling uh, genre are can't can't have sex with ladies and indeed don't want to. Yeah, an interesting thought. I don't know whether I think they can grow beards. The space wolves still drink beer and have fun and grow beards, and it's like they missed out all the all the boring bits. <laughs> yeah. You guys get to be awesome Vikings. Oh, can we have some fun? No, everyone else has to be boring. No beards, no hair, maybe very short cut hair. Yep, they, they, they grow a crew cut. However, over here we've got fuckable Logan Grimner <laughs> <laughs> with his cyber wolves. Hi, I'm that dad you fancy. <laughs> Oh my, the Space Wolves. Oh man, a, Dad Wolves. What a charming bunch. Buff Daddy Space Wolves. Yep. I'm going to get on Tumblr right after this. <laughs> on that subject, I think it's time to wrap up. Yep. Thank you very much for the deluge of questions you sent through, as ever. If you wish to ask us questions... Oh, wait! We've got one more question. Oh, have we? We've got one more question from Twitter. From Twitter. George Sees writes... What do you do if you pass all your perception rolls, but are sure that there is a ninja somewhere in warehouse? Ah, warehouse. I've been there myself. So you've passed all of their perception checks, mm-hmm. but you're still sure that there's 
a ninja somewhere. Mm-hmm. What do you do? You roll more perception checks. You keep passing them. Then leave the warehouse. Mm. Because that ninja is going to kill you. That's very true. That's right. Okay, sure. I would have like I would probably set the warehouse on fire. There is that, but I mean mm. we don't know it's a bad necessarily oh, wait, no, a bad Chris, ninja. Chris, Chris, you fire blindly into the rafters. Ah, oh, that's it. Yeah, you just shoot into the rafters. That's where that's he is. That's where the ninjas hiding. Yeah, that's where they hide. If okay. a body falls out, you are right. If nothing falls out, there was no ninja there. Continue You're on safe. your way. Continue firing at other places until the ninja falls out, or until until you leave. Yeah, and also if one ninja falls out, assume mm. second ninja. Wow, we see that 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 that's that's the difficulty you see. When have you got I them think... all? Well, no, it's, it's 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 an interesting mechanic because the more ninjas they are, the less good they are. Yep. If you have a hundred ninjas, very easy to kill. I could kill one of a hundred ninjas. Yep. If you have one ninja, he's invincible or she is invincible. Now, I think the challenge you've got is if you manage to shoot a ninja out of the ceiling by firing blindly, that's a bad ninja, which means there's at least ninety nine other ninjas in the building. And I hope you bought enough ammo for everyone. Mm. So, George, to answer your question, we don't know. Yeah, uh, honestly, I would just leave. I, I am, I am but a normal man. I can't, I can't fight ninjas. What are you, what are you, what are you doing in the warehouse anyway, George? You're, a, you're a scientist. You don't need to go into warehouses full of ninjas. That's for other people. Yeah, people you That's... pay to do things. <laughs> thank you, thank you very much for listening to Hardy Dice Friends. Um, we are on iTunes now, uh, so Huzzah. you can. You can rate and review us on there if you like us. That helps a lot. It pushes us up. Uh, it gives us a chance to, um, to for other people to find us. Also, tell a friend about it if you like it. Um, you know, you stick it up on Facebook or Twitter. But just if, if you actually be like, hey, you like podcasts. I like podcasts. I think you're going to love this podcast. And just slide a card with the words Hearty Dice Friends written on it. That would, that would help us immeasurably. Have I got a podcast for you? You're going to love it, girl. Uh, you can reach me on Twitter at GS Howitt. You can reach Chris on Twitter at The Madigan, 2Ds1G. And we are possibly considering getting a different way to ask questions than the Google form, because it's not great. Um, they they but... do not make a good form, Google. They do not make him good. It's not brilliant. Do you have anything else to add, Chris? I do not. Well, I think it's enough much. for this week. We have bestowed wisdom, pearls, thick nuggets of wisdom oozing just, nuggets of wisdom yeah. flopping out of us like rabbits out of another rabbit just oh a litter of wisdom <sighs> oh. and like like the mother rabbit we're going to eat that wisdom back up yeah if to we feel threatened for winter <laughs> if we feel threatened or just difficult <laughs> fucking rabbits man stop oh, eating just, your kids yeah just they they it's will gross. literally eat anything it's gross i just like like you can eat your kids, but you can't be that cute as well. Choose one. Get off the fence. Like you, you can pick, but just no, no. All right. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Bye.